Welcome to episode 10 of the ISO podcast with me, your host, Chuck Duru. And on today's episode, I was joined by GB International Ashley Hamilton. In this episode, we spoke in depth about Ashley's career from his time at Canaries Basketball Academy to his time at college at Loyola Marymount. We'd also discussed his experiences working out for numerous NBA teams after his senior year of college and being a part of the Sacramento Kings Summer League roster before ultimately signing a professional contract in Italy and embarking on a pro career that has taken him all around the world. We spoke on the London City Royals and I got Ashley's take on his loan season in the BBL and how it compares to the Spanish second division, as well as discussing Ashley's off-court business ventures. Thank you to all my supporters and listeners who've tuned into season one and thank you to all my guests too. Um, Without you, there's been no podcast. Um, So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and enjoyed season one and I look forward to, you know, starting on season two and bringing you that in the near future. So as always, um, don't forget to like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. Um, any feedback as well um, would be greatly appreciated. And yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Ashley, how's it going? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. Thanks for coming on. You're out in Spain, right? Yeah, I'm in um, Colonia, right. northwest of Spain. Right, right. If you ever, if you ever heard the football team in Deportivo de Colonia, it's that city right here in Spain. Right, right. Um, uh, how's the lockdown treating you out there? Oh, it's been good, you know. Um, it's been good. I kind of enjoy being kind of locked away anyway, personally. Um, I like to be, I like situations where I'm able to think, read, kind of like come up with a new plan. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, been a good, it's been a good time for that. It's been a good time for reflection, good time for growth. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's been very focused on coming out of it different than I went into it. Yeah, no, I feel you, I feel you. I think I'm kind of the same, to be fair. Um, I think at first, you know, I thought, uh, I'm someone who, you know, I'm quite a busybody, so I I guess Mm -hmm. being in my house lockdown is probably the worst thing for me. Um, But then, Mm -hmm. you know, later on, I think further on in the lockdown, I kind of was able to, you know, get passion projects like this going and other stuff um, that I've kind of been putting off. So it's been been good. Um, The way it's for me, main thing for me that there was a difference is like, as a as a as a pro, like a lot of time, you spend a lot of time by yourself anyway, and like in different places, and you, you tend to be isolated a lot of the time. But yeah, you know, like a lot of the time when like you know you want to do stuff and you're thinking about stuff, and like, I've got to do this, and I want to do this, or want to do that. Like there's no more excuses, basically. Yeah, this is like there was a time for it, a lot of time to do it. So yeah, no, too right, man, too right. So I understand, you know, you've recently been, you know, gone back to practice. Um, I'll be individuals. Um, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So we started on Thursday. We started on Thursday. Um, the plan was so we're a little bit um, ahead of the rest of the country in mm. terms of like the fa- the phases we're in. Yeah. So um, the government here allowed us to have individual practice. Um, one person per court, one person per basket with one coach. The coach had to wear that gloves and a mask for an hour so they they rotated us from th- from Thursday because they were hoping that um the league would restart again that's why we've still been out here the whole time right today is actually today is actually the cough day for the decision and as as I went to practice earlier I went and whilst I was there they cancelled the league for this this season so my season's officially done now oh right Done. Yeah, so we we was going, we was work, we worked out on Thursday, Friday, Saturday to give us Sunday off, and then today obviously. Right, right, right. So that means, I guess, um, you know, I'm guessing the league standings 
uh, as they are will will hold. Yeah, yeah, that's see, that's the argument. That's the argument. Um, um, the league standings as they are are gonna hold. No one's gonna get relegated. Um, they're arguing for two teams to get promoted to the ACB, but the ACB doesn't want twenty teams in the ACB because they're not relegating anyone. So there's a big argument going on there. Yeah, Corona. Also, like one of the teams might not have the money to go up. If that right. happens, then we're probably gonna go up since we're third. Oh uh, right. Um, we was, yeah, we're actually we're actually one game off the top spot, and we have the tiebreaker against the last two teams. Oh uh, right. Ten game, and we had ten games left, so I mean it was a tough situation for us. Because mm. we definitely thought, thought that we would come up, come finish the league on top, but right. Things happen. Things happen. Things happen. Yeah. Um. So yeah, touching on you know your season this year, how do you think it went for you personally? Um, it was a tough one for me simply because of how it started. Um, I was out for a long time. Um, coming from the Royals and my situation over there, dealing with the madness that was going on over there. Then when I signed here, you know, my girl was pretty heavily pregnant at that time, so it's not like basketball was my first um, priority or thought. But, yeah. Um, they they want that you know even when I signed at first I was telling them nah I'm not coming you know I need like a good month or whatever and they were like nah just come just come come for a week two weeks three weeks whatever it is and just go back when your son gets born and come back after that so my it was difficult for me to get going and um, I experienced a couple of little injuries early I was just kind of fighting through that the rest of the season like just little nagging injuries but I had a good year man I had, had good numbers did well you know, like I said, we won the third, we the third spot. We beat the number one team, we beat the number two team. Like we beat all the best teams in the league. We fell short a couple of times in a couple of tough away games. I had some good games, and um, yeah, I'm getting some good offers for next season already. That's good, man. That's good. Um, so yeah, let's start from let's start from the beginning of your career. Um, you're originally from South London, is that right? Yeah, South London by way of Sierra Leone, Africa. Oh, good, good. Can't forget the roots. Never. Um, and you grew up playing for the London Towers, is that right? Yeah, man. Um, so talk to me about that, like, uh, you know, growing up in, in London and what, I guess, the basketball culture was like um, around that time. Honestly, there was none, you know, there was none. Um, especially, especially like, when I was young, when I was, when I was coming up, basketball to me was... Um, something that people played in a far, far away land. Like, I'd heard of Michael Jordan, I heard of Shaq, heard of Kobe, even one of my uncles is from LA. And um, we went out there, went to visit him. I went to the Staples Center, but it still didn't register to me that basketball was a thing. So um, it wasn't until the Anwar mixtape came about, and I got, and from there, I kind of got introduced into Street Border Code at UK that I, I learned that basketball was something that you know, was being played in the UK. And obviously, it's like, it's not, like, even now, the culture is gone, so it's a little more accessible, but to find it, it was tough at the time, so I honestly didn't start playing till I was about 14, 15, around, around that age, you know, so. Right. It's a, it's a late start for myself, but once I found it, I fell in love. And who were, like, some of your, I guess, peers, you know, that you played against um, growing up? Just for people who don't know, who may not be familiar. So I played against I played against guys like David Ajimobi, Albert Margai, Orlando Chapman, um, Jack Crawford before he moved over to American football. 
Joel Freeland, uh, Watson at Manchester, Matt Williams at Manchester, Ben Eves, those guys. That was at my age group. You know, um, Joe, I can win. Joe can win. Um, f- uh, Marvin Fuller. Um, who else? Who else? Let me not forget anyone, man. But that kind of age group, 87, 88, obviously, you know, men like Justin, Ogo, you know, they they were a little bit ahead. They'd already gone to the States. Um, but, um, yeah, this is, these are, this is all my age group. These are all guys that I came up with, um, was playing with. And, um, yeah, man, it's it formed a lot of beautiful friendships just pursuing the hoop gym. Yeah. I think that's a common story, you know, for a lot of basketball players. Like, I look at my friendship group and, like, we're all friends from playing together. You know, a lot of my friends who have, like, close groups is all from, like, you know, playing on the same team, playing against yeah. each other and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah. Battling, competing, yeah. finding places to, to to work out. You know, you know that's, a, that's a journey in itself. Just to, yeah. especially, especially in those days, just to find a spot to go on the hoop and work in your game and, you know. Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah. So you eventually made the move to um, the States, playing at uh, Lawrence Academy. How did that come about and what was that experience like? Um, first of all, it was, it was amazing. I was only there for a year because I got recruited to go from there to um, to the Grand Canary Basketball Academy, which I went to reluctantly at first, but that was also a good start for me. Right. But um, I ended up there by, um, by way of five basketball camp. So um, the year before the, well, the summer, that summer that I went to prep school, I went to five-star camp, and I, I had a good show in there. There was, like, a lot of highly talented kids from, like, the tri-state area, like New York, Connecticut, Jersey, and I was I was one of the top two kids, so I had, like, a lot of um, interest from schools and prep schools. And um, and at the time, that was my dream. Like, I wanted, I wanted to get to the States. I thought that was, that was it. I thought, you know get to the state that obviously the facilities, the you know, the coaching, I thought that would be the next step to my dream. So, um, getting an opportunity I started playing I started playing for the AU team that summer and a couple of the guys from the team went to that school. So that's why I chose that particular school that I went to. And yeah, that's 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 how I got there man. I, I was I was blessed to have played decent enough, I think in National League to get recognized and invited to the camp. Made my way out to the camp, the world, the camp, and then I went to prep school. Like, how good was your high school team? Like, were you were you playing on like a national schedule, or was it more within the state? It was it was within the state, but we played a couple of tour- played a couple of tournaments. Like, um, it's, it's it's a pretty big tournament. It's called the Prep School Invitational. At oh, the right. time, that the prep, the prep school league was the best league in the country overall. Now yeah. there were other schools around you know the country that were ranked very highly, or you know. There were other leagues that were good leagues here and there, but overall that prep school league, because like guys would go from guys would go from other high schools and come to the prep school league and like do like their prep year before they went to the league, or you know that's you know or like guys who did the prep year before they went to college or whatever. Yeah. So it was competition was tough in that league. Is that the New England one? Yeah, New England. Oh yeah. Seven. Okay. 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 With like Brewster Academy and a. Uh... So, 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 so there's different, so there's different divisions. That's the division one. Right. We were in division, we were in division two, but we always played division one teams. Okay, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, so again, like, that's always been my story. Like 
come from like be the smaller guys, come from the like underdog team and play against like the big boys. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, it's rare, it's rare, it's rare that I've been like in that situation where I'm like, you know, the favorite or whatever. Yeah. And do you think that's sort of had a played an impact in you know your mentality and your approach to the game? Um, from I guess your experiences, you know, from you know being at uh, Lawrence Academy. I guess so. I mean, I, I've I've always felt like from the beginning that I was behind, so I had to work very hard to catch up to people who've been playing all their lives. You know, my dad told my dad told me a long time ago that. Like, Someone been playing ball since they was four, mm. and you start when you you start when you're fourteen. You're ten years behind. You know that that's ten years of pain you got to put in just to get on the same level as them. Yeah. Not to mention the people that's better than them. So that's how I was thought about it. So I mean that was always very natural to me. And I just always felt like it didn't matter where I was at. Like you know I can elevate to the next level. You know thankfully mm. I was blessed with I was blessed with some height that let me skip a couple steps and uh, you know. Yeah, and now I work hard on my athleticism and the rest of my game to kind of catch up. But I never, I never felt like I was outdone by or because I was wasn't at the biggest school or in the biggest program. I just always, you know, I was always just the guy. I was always just like, if I was there, like, come on, it wouldn't even be fair. Like I have to be here, like to make it fair. That's how I was. That's how I always felt about it. Like yeah. I have to be here, like you know, because I can, because I can do it from here. Like I didn't think, every, I don't think everyone can take certain regards and make it that way so that's how I felt about the situation yeah right or wrong but that's the, that's the mentality I had and I had going into it but it also kind of made me think about uh, now as a professional like there's certain things I understand like you know there's certain things I expect there's certain things you know you look out for and your deals and whatever so you know like you want to be like in the best situation for that allows you to be the, your, the best version of yourself if that makes sense yeah yeah yeah, and I think, uh, and what I think is, a lot of times, like guys who come up in situations that's always the best situations, they might take that for granted uh-huh. and expect that all the times. Whereas if you haven't always been in that best situation, now we're in the best situation, you fully use it how it's supposed to be used. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's that's yeah. true. That's true. And then also, it's like like you said, like you know, the guys who've always been in the best situations, the minute they find themselves in an uncomfortable situation, they some of them you know can't crumble cope. yeah they can't cope um yeah so yeah that's interesting you should say you'd say that man um yeah so yeah so you ended up you know going i guess back to europe and signing at uh the canarias basketball academy i know you mentioned it that you you know reluctantly went there but um what was that experience like because you know i've heard i think growing up i heard a lot of i heard a, i heard a mixed bunch you know i heard some people say you know went there and ended up you know having really really good careers you know i think a few people you know end up going to Division One schools and whatnot, and I've also heard some people who've gone there and tried to escape in the middle of the night because it was so, it was so bad, um, with the time they were having there. So what was what was your experience like? I mean, it's, it's like it's like we said just now that like not everyone can deal with you know different situations. Like it was first of all, it was it was very hard, mm. and a lot of guys who came after us. Like I was there the first year, the first, well I was in the second year. The first year it was just Joel Freeland by himself. Because at first it wasn't even the Canarias Basketball Academy. It was um, we was at Gran Canaria. We was playing for Gran Canaria, and then one of the coaches, Robo Oriano, who started the academy, you would just put in extra work with him. Like he went out, he found us, brought us there, and from the extra work, we just started excelling. Yeah. So, Joe actually the first year, Joe was a four. Joe went to the league from there. He went to. 
played in the Hoop Summit and I mean just the exposure he got from schools and you know he went to the league so then the next year it was myself Ryan Richards um, a kid from Finland Iceland sir and two kids from the Czech Republic so just the five of us and we also worked out with the ACB team like the second team from the ACB team the EBA team and um, so we we do the we do the schedule that all the other that all the Spanish guys did, and we do the academy schedule all in one day. So it was tough, man. It was really hard. And the and the workouts would be individual workouts. You'd be with this guy for like an hour, hour and a half, killing you, man, three four times a day. Mm-hmm. But it was an attempt to get it was an, att- an attempt to get better. And quite honestly, if you're number one, if you ain't got a game, if you ain't tough, like you're not gonna make it. So then now the the, the third year which was my second year, is when the academy started properly because we, we ended up getting um, kicked out of um, the Gran Canaria Youth Academy, the, the, the youth the youth setup. Oh, wow. Because, um, yeah, we, we, yeah, we got kicked out because the guy got fired. They fired him basically because he was bringing in guys, making them good, and we weren't signing long term with the team. Because what would happen is the team wanted guys to sign like six, seven-year deals basically until you was like 24, 25, you know, your whole youth career, which meant you couldn't go to, couldn't go to the States. You couldn't, it would limit your options. And obviously at the time, it's like, you know, it's not something I wanted to do personally. So since this guy was bringing these kids in, the team was housing them and they weren't seeing any rewards for it. They got frustrated and fired him. Yeah. So we, so we went with him. We got kicked out with him. And then that's how the academy started. So now the academy now kids, more kids are coming in and the conditions aren't necessarily, the first year aren't necessarily as nice as we might have had them at Gran Canaria. We were well taken care of, like, you know, everyone had a place to stay, we had beds, rooms and stuff like that, but, you know, you had to walk to the gym and then we'd be in the gym at like six in the morning and, and we'd practice four or five times a day, you know, the weights, like the weight room was old school, like, you know, we was lifting the weights that Arnold Schwarzenegger and them, and them was lifting back in the day. You know what I mean? The rusty iron the, ones. The, the, the rusty iron ones, man. Like, that, that thing fell on your foot or bust your foot open. Yeah, man. And yeah. then practices was tough, that like, tough, but like, like in the morning, we'd be at 6, at 6 a.m., bullhanded, one hour. Go back, chill for a little bit, get your food, make your own food, you know? Yeah. Then go back, second practice, then, then, then we'd eat, they'd feed us. But then the food might be like, just lentil, lentil, lentil soup. From Jesus. Three, time, three times a day, like, you know, it, it was, it was in the dungeon, fam, but it was there, like, it made you tough, it made you tough, it made you tougher, like, you knew what he was, what he was there for. We mm. had great times, though. We had, like, we had some amazing times, fam. We had some amazing times, but if you could make, if you could make it through that, and the coaching was tough, man, so, when you're doing good, man, what make, what make you feel like you was on top of the world, like, you know, he, he he, he let you know that there's an opportunity for you as long as you keep working but when you wasn't you know they, if you let off a little bit and that's what a lot of guys can't part with because he would keep you accountable every single day man it didn't matter who you was man but, but he, he used to have these coaches come, through, come to the gym we had Kansas come to see I, I had Kansas but I, I couldn't even name all the schools that came, that came to see me and it was the head coaches from the head coaches yeah. I remember one time, I remember one time Herb Sendek came from Arizona State, and he was like, "Yeah, man, I got, uh, yeah, uh, now we 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 want you to school. We uh, we got this kid. You you like him? You know, he's 
know, he, he, he stayed in school for an extra year. He just wants to put, he wants to get his body in a little better shape, but he's probably going to go top five in the draft. You might have heard of him. His name's James Harden. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that guy. <laughs> yeah, I know that guy, you know, but I'm, I'm telling you, this is how, they, this is how the, coaches, the coaches came from the States. They come to Spain. Not even Spain, fam. Gran Canaria, which is like an island like off the coast of Africa. Yeah. And we went, and when we was at Gran Canaria, the club, we was in Las Palmas, which is the capital city. But mm. now we was up in the, this this year we was up we was up in the mountains, fam. We was up in the mountains, like they had us in the gulag, fam. We we was over there. We was in the we was in the dungeon, fam. And we was we you know you had to be a soldier to come out of there. So, so who? It's like, uh Sorry, go on, current sorry. I'm just saying, man. That, that's why, like, you will hear a lot of stories of guys like, ah, oh, man, I couldn't do it. I had to leave or whatever. Or the guy was too tough, or right. the was too tough. And I, I, I don't knock anyone for it. I do not knock anyone for it. I'm just saying, like, it's kind of like it gets you ready for that the basketball uh, the basketball career because, quite honestly, it's not for everyone, man. Mm. Especially once you turn pro, it's not for everyone because things change, man. When you're young, you you have dreams and goals and you think that, yeah, I'm just going to work hard, man. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to get my opportunity. Man. When I get my opportunity, I'm going to, it's not how it goes, man. Mm. So, so going through this type of life early on prepares you and lets you know that you can get through stuff later on. So do you feel like that was your, um, you know, biggest takeaway from your experience there? Partly, partly. I mean, just, uh, just, uh, I mean, I always felt like, I think the, the biggest takeaway was that after, after I was working hard, man, but, that was working hard, fam. Mm-hmm. That was working hard. Then, that, yeah. that nigga used to have us, boy. <laughs> <laughs> man, right. that was what that was. That was some army shit, fam. I mean, it like, sounds hey, like it, man. Shit, lentil soup. You, you know, five workouts a day, man. Shit. I'm telling you, man. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's sometimes you know he, you know, he, like, but he, everything was coming out of his pocket, and you know, like the first year when you started something, like it's tough. Yeah, yeah. So he he ain't had the sponsorships he had now. He ain't had all the stuff now. But he, you know, everything is out of his own pocket. He's making he's making stuff happen. He's like, I, when I think back to it now, it's like, damn, that shit's amazing. Like the stuff that he's able to pull off. Mm. And um, you know, forever thankful for him. You know, forever grateful for the time he put into us. But um, yeah, it was tough, man. It was tough living. And um, just like I said, the work ethic aspect of it. But you know, I think he took us to. Like he took us to Houston to work out with John Lucas. Like he took me and Ryan to Houston to work out with John Lucas. That's when I, first time I worked out with pros. Like I was working out with like J.R. Smith and um, who else was over there? Big Baby was there. It's when Big Baby's getting ready for the draft. Um, Big Baby days. Yeah, those days. Tyler Thomas was getting ready. Um, Joe Green was when he was in the Celtics his second year. Boy, that boy is a freak. Bro. I mean, there were so many guys who were getting ready. Like we was working out with the guys getting ready for the draft that year. That must have been um, 20, 2006. Yeah. Yeah, I think 2006, 2007. So NBA players, draft, you know, it was just incredible, like the environments we were being put in and the people we were playing against and playing with, you know. So um, the exposure that we got simply from being there, you know. So it was a lot of tough times, but it was a lot of like, just experiences that can't you know you wouldn't be able to get them in in the UK or even in the States to be honest with you mm. yeah. the States was more like the States was more like high school high school experience you know go to high school work hard in high school work hard when you're practicing but you know you're in high school have fun you know 
enjoy yourself. This yeah. year, this was work, fam. <laughs> yeah, no. work. So- sounds like yeah, that, man. man. Sounds like that, man. This was work. Yeah, man. So um, you ended up, you know, playing at uh, Loyola Marymount um, for yeah, college. Um, what was the what was the recruitment process like then? Um, I gather that was, you know, from your time at the Canaries. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had other schools. So I had I had UCLA in LA. I had, I had SC in LA. But I just had a special relationship with the coach there. You know, um, he came to see me in, um, in Spain. He came to my apartment. He's the only coach that came, came to my apartment. He's hanging out with myself and Menelik, and he was going to take us. And he just told us, you know, his vision. Like he was coming from the NBA. He was at the he was at the Trailblazers. He's at the Pacers now, but he was leaving the Trailblazers, and he wanted to come back to college because he coached UNLV back in the day. Yeah, he had the vision that you know he wanted to take a mid major, get high major players, take them to mid major, and give them an opportunity to you know build pole careers for themselves that way but make not make noise from the mid-major level and he thought it could be done so basically like you know before like dame and stuff and guys that like, made it popular like like he had that vision mm. so we got a lot of good freshmen to come to the school and we all went there together with the same vision like, i didn't even see i didn't even see the school like you know before i like committed like i just i was looked into the vision i was looked into the coach you know i was happy with it you know, I had some other good schools that I visited at the same time, but I knew I wouldn't go there, and the vibe was right for me. Unfortunately, he left and went back to the NBA after three months, and that kind of that messed everything up for us. We ended up being a pretty dysfunctional team over the four four years I was there. Oh, raw. Yeah, it was unfortunate. Touching on that, um, you know, you said about the dysfunctional team. Um, how do you feel like your experience at Loyola Marymount, you know, shaped? the rest of your career like you know when you graduated from when you started to when you graduated um i think again bit of bad off the court stuff was amazing in terms of school you know in terms of what broadened my horizons as a person in terms of opening my eyes to that you know okay that you're more than a basketball player there's people out here doing this doing that like you 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 quite like being artistic you quite like you know whatever you know you like business you know Here's how you can make some money. Here's how for yourself. Had me start thinking about how to be an entrepreneur and how to start, you know, doing stuff for myself that way. You know what I mean? Get into the world that way. So it was amazing in that aspect. And basketball too, it was amazing simply because it was a very good league that I was playing in. But you know, obviously the guy I went to go play for, he wasn't there no more. So when the when the next guy came, the next guy stepped up. The one of the assistant coaches stepped up to be the head coach. And he was originally like, like a defensive coach, but obviously he he's got his own vision for how he wanted things to go. So he didn't necessarily like, he didn't recruit us. So he didn't know us the way the other guy knew us. He didn't he didn't have the same vision for us. So he he, he was trying to get have guys do things that were a little bit different from what they were be, they were being recruited for, or whatever. So like me, for instance, that like, I was recruited to be on the wing like you know they wanted the groomy to be like a like a tall wing right and he was and he was like oh no nah, i want you to be like a big strong undersized five like a big strong undersized big like he, he had this vision of craig smith because like, he was from he was from the east coast he like he'd actually co- coached in that prep school league and he loved craig smith he went to boston college and craig smith was like six seven 
but he weighed like two eighty. He was like he was like he's like a Zion, you know yeah. what I mean? But not obviously not Zion as athleticism, but like a Zion back in the day. Yeah, yeah. And he that's how what he wanted me to be wanted me to be like. He said, Now nah, we gonna we gonna make you gain eighty kids uh, no eighty pounds, you're gonna play like Craig Smith. I was like, No. <laughs> so he's like he was like, Well, you ain't gonna play then you know, and I was like, What? So it was a lot, I spent a lot of time trying to win him over rather than play my game or just, you know, excel at my game or and a lot of a few of us had problems with him because we had guys who were from different backgrounds, we had guys from different, you know, different upbringings. So he he didn't necessarily know how to connect with us all the time, you know. He had some guys who who he connected with, he had some guys he didn't connect with and that was all part of the dysfunctionality of the team. When it clicked, we clicked amazingly, man. Like we beat um we beat UCLA we beat UCLA when they was top when they was top ten on, on ESPN at their place. We beat um Gonzaga when they was top five on ESPN at our place. We beat USC at USC when they was top five. We beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame when they was top five on ESPN. Like uh, we had a really talented team and like we won some big time games. Mm. Um yeah, we, we could never just put it together long enough to do what we're supposed to do, you know. The coaching staff was a coaching staff that was first coming together and learning things, and the school was learning to have a basketball team, of, you know, a respectable basketball team. The culture wasn't there, you know, so a lot of things were coming together, you know. So, and like I said, we had a lot of freshmen, and we had a lot of freshmen, you know, not a lot of returning players. It's not that like we had the, you know, like normally, like schools, you hear like the senior leadership and stuff like that. We didn't have none of that stuff, really, you know, so. That's that's what made it dysfunctional. But right. overall, man, as a player, like I said, uh, it was it was good for me. I don't have to play inside early and with, against bigger guys. And then, uh, you know, I was able to keep like my outside game, and I improved with that over over time. Um, I played against all kinds of people. You know, my coaching stuff. The other coaches were, you know, they were really good guys. And they really helped me out in my game, and um, it was a, it was a, it was a dope experience overall. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be, but it was a, you know, yeah. it was amazing, and I would do it again. Do you ever feel like um, you know how you what you're saying about the coach wanting you to you know put on a ton of weight and you know essentially trans transform you into you know a style of play that he wanted? Do you ever yeah. did you ever think about you know if you had maybe let's say put on mad weight and become that? undersized center like how your career would have panned out yeah it would have been over quick <laughs> <laughs> that, player, that, that, player, that, that player died out like the year after that I think you know yeah. the, the league changed the professional game changed you know, I went to school in 2008 that's 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 when the, no 2008 2009 that's when the, the crisis was at, at all time high the basketball crisis or the, the, I mean the economic crisis was at all time high money in basketball was low and basketball started to change. Like we started going into a small ball. Um, you know, skill was more so often than just pure physical. You know, that like you couldn't just play one on one the whole time. The team that the European game was probably was infiltrating the states too. Yeah, you know, things were changing. Things were changing, and that's how I was brought up. You know, to be like an athletic guy with skill. But yeah, he took away my confidence to just go out there and be myself. Yeah, he wanted me to be a certain kind of way. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's funny because you know you get a lot of kids from Britain, you know, who go over to America and put on you know mad, mad weight, 
Um, mm. There's one that comes to mind. I won't say his name, um, but he went to a, a big, big school. And like, if you look at his physique before he went there, he was more of like a, you know, a polished sort of, you know, stretch big. And then yeah. he went to the States and turned into an absolute, you know, just a tank that yeah. wasn't the most agile, but, you know, was big and strong. And, you know, if you look at where he played and where he ended up playing after he left college, you know, you could say, you could argue, you know, that was that was the move that essentially, you know, like you said, his career was, was not over, but it didn't go as where it should have gone, given, like, the tools he had going in. Um, I mean, quite, I mean, quite honestly, like, another, that's another thing I learned, like, um, a big difference in be- between making it and not making it is, um, is the management of, of, of a player from a young age, you know, mm. like, how, how are you managing him? How are you managing not just his physical, but his mental? Yeah. And quite honestly, like, you know, it's like sometimes I think to myself, like sometimes when I was younger, I used to get mad about, you know, how I was dealt with and how I was managed when I was younger and when I was coming up. Not just a, not just at the, at the university, but even before that, like even at Towers. Because at Towers, there was a time when, you know, I, when I started getting good, like the, the guy, the coach, his, um, his son played in the team too. So as I started to kind of get better than his son, it's like he would stop coaching me and he would start he would tell me like, Oh, don't shoot the ball, don't do this, or don't <laughs> you know and and obviously I'm not from a basketball background. My dad's not my dad didn't play basketball, like we don't understand certain things, we didn't know certain things. So mm. I didn't know that he was like 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 suppressing me. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Whereas like the way I think about that, like I'm never a person who likes to especially as I get older, I never point fingers or put blame on anyone else for a situation like every situation if it goes my way if it didn't go my way it's because of something I've done so I honestly feel that you know if I was better younger then coaches would have let me fully be myself all the time rather than put me in a box or just you know because the thing with me was like like I said I started playing late Mm. I was a hard worker I was a hard worker and I was tough and I had and, and God blessed me with a little bit of height at that time already yeah. So you know, and I, and because I worked hard, I became athletic. So it was like, okay, we have to find a spot to put him on the court. But let's not let him. You know, you know, you got a kid. You want him out there because he can help you. But you don't really want him with the ball yet. And that was me. Yeah. You know, when it, whereas if I had been better, if I'd been working out more, if I'd been you know dedicating myself more, even more than I was, then maybe I would have got to a point where I was good enough to just go off and make it happen in that time and then coaches would have been rather than pigeonhole me they would have been like nah let's let him do his thing so I mean you know I'm to blame for it too but like you said it happens to a lot of kids from the UK man that we go to the States and someone tells us oh we've got to put on weight or we feel that we have to put on a lot of weight or I don't know man anything can happen man anything can happen yeah no too right man too right Um, so you end up graduating and um you had some workouts with some NBA teams. Um, yeah. What was that like, and uh, what teams did you work out with? Um, it was amazing, man. Um, I worked out. I worked out three sixty impact. I worked out. I worked out impact in, um, in in the Valley in LA and in Vegas. I worked out in Vegas with um, the Kings, and I got to the Kings at Impact there. Yeah, I worked out with the Lakers twice, three times. So I worked out with the, with um, the Timberwolves. And the Dallas Mavericks. My Mavericks. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. That was, more, that was one of my favorite workouts. And yeah, it just kind of taught me. Again, I started learning a little bit about the game, a little, about, a little bit about the politics of the game. 
Yeah, and um, the Lakers really liked me. That's why they kept bringing me back for workouts. So mm. I did that. Great experience. Started learning about the league a little bit. Unfortunately, I was I was hurt when I went into the workouts. I still competed well, did well, showed leadership, showed um, my understanding of the game. You know, my willingness to you know to compete, and that made a lot of those teams that liked me. Just like I remember at the Lakers. The strength conditioning guy, one day he came up to me, he's like, Ash, are you hurt? Mind you, my knee's paining me, fam. Mm. It was hurting me from the season, but I had to play a lot that season because um, our recruiting class was bad, so I couldn't afford to sit out. Yeah, we we didn't have the greatest year, so I couldn't afford to sit out. So my knee was hurting me. Obviously, you know, like, you think think you're okay, but I wasn't. So I I remember my agent called me, he was like, yo, Ash, um, the Lakers said that they thought you would test better. Like, are you are you hurt? I'm like, your man needs hurting, man. But I, was like, I didn't tell him that. I didn't tell him. He's like, oh, okay. Like now, again, sometimes when I think back to that situation, I think that maybe I should have just been honest, you know, because if they did like me the way they liked me, then maybe they would have helped me get better. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just, just little things like that, man. I started and, uh, and because I got hurt there, when I went to the Kings, the Kings actually bought my contract from the Lakers. And put me straight in the summer league team, and they said they think you know they wanted to keep me for a training camp, at the rookie camp later on in the summer. But I got hurt in summer league in Vegas, so because I was hurt, they let me go, and that was the end of it. But before that, I had some really good workouts with other teams. You know, the Mavericks said that they were going to take me at forty-four. They ended up take they ended up trading my pick for Monte Ellis. You no, know, but you know my short time with the Mavericks was amazing. Um, yeah, it was just good. it was just nice to. That was that was another part of the dream, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I know you played two K and like you know you're you're working out for the draft, you're <laughs> doing that stuff. Like that was just to just to even partake in that. It was yeah, you know, it was amazing. It was amazing. You know, when I went to something, I was at UNLV in the in the arena. Like I played there before. I played against UNLV and I played in there, but to be there for summer league to have that NBA logo on your socks and your shorts and your jersey your name on that stuff um, you're getting the money for that the per diem like the way you was living and stuff like that like it was to experience that for the short time I experienced it man it was like you know it's it can't um, it's prices yeah prices no I bet man that, so- that sounds lit man like you know yeah, like man. you said like, you see it on 2k you know the you know, like the interviews with the teams when you're about to yeah, do the my player yeah. and stuff, but it's like you actually, you know, you know, lived it. You know, that's yeah, sounds sick, man. Um, yeah, man. I, I, I sat down with Dan Tony, sitting down talking to him. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm pretty cool with like a lot of the assistants at the time who were like lower down assistants, like the bigger assistants now. Mm. Um, so I got like a lot of friends in the league from there. You know, I was I was side to side with with Cardale. He was the one for the, he was the one who told me like listen man like how you feel about if we don't take you how you feel about coming in here for summer league and like you know but we we want you at forty four like you know, just to have those conversations it was it was it was mad you know it was <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, it was like what <laughs> like yes I'll be here like yeah say no more like you know yeah no that that's that's so man that sounds so raw. yeah. So you ended up, you know, turning pro, uh, signing your first contract in Italy. Is that right? Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, so how did that come about? And what was that sort of first, um, I guess, your rookie season like? Um, rookie season was up and down. Um, 
Like I said, I was hurt, so I had to. I went back to LA. I, I, I rehabbed. Um, didn't get, didn't didn't fully know what was going on. Just I had tendonitis in my knee. It got it got to a point where it was very very bad. I couldn't do anything on it. And um, yeah, I just I, I did rehab for about eight weeks, and then um, I started working out again slowly, and I got a call. My agent was like, "There was a team in Poland wants you." I have to get on the plane tomorrow, and I was like, "Oh man, Poland! I don't want to go." <laughs> but uh, again, it, it, again, me not knowing anything, me being stupid, that this team was um, a good team in the VTB. They went inside me for two years, like, um, and um, the second year they was in the Euro League, so I could have been in the Euro League my second year. Uh, I just, I just didn't, yeah, I didn't know, I didn't know any better. So on the way, when I'm, I'm on, I'm at LAX. And with my bags, I'm about to check in, and um, my girl at the time just dropped me off. She had my car. I left my car with her, and my agent called me. He's like, um, actually, you want to go to Italy or you want to go to Poland? I said, I want to go to Italy. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, he was like, all right, all right, don't get in the plane. And I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> I was like, what just said that? He said, yeah, don't get in the plane. <laughs> I said, what about, what about the contract? He said, he, said, oh, he said, don't worry about that. Man. I said, what if they like, come back for the money or what? He said, they ain't going to sue you for that little money you're making. Man. I'm like, uh, and he said, you're a rookie. They ain't going to sue you for that. This, this, you probably ain't gonna, never going to play in Poland again. But I was like, yeah, I'm cool. <laughs> I said, I'm okay with that. And he was like, okay, cool. So he said, go home. I'll go home. Uh, we're going to get you in the plane to Italy tomorrow. Damn. I said, okay. Okay, so, you know, cool, my girl. I went back home, had another night at home, and then uh, next day I was off to Italy. <laughs> now, the, now, the thing about Italy, now, again, the situation, again, me not knowing any better, like, so these are all questions, different questions are asked now. And mind you, I had a very good agent. I had a very, very good agent. He's an NBA agent. Like, yeah. He, um, he, he's the Marcus Cousins agent now. He's got John Wall. He's got Ricky Rubio. Had Charlie Parsons. Like, he did his big deal. Yeah, over his, his big deals. Um, who else he have? He had he had like twelve max max contract guys and me. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I was the other I was the other guy. Yeah, so yeah, twelve big time guys and me. So you know, he had a lot of faith for me and everything. But so now, but he had, so he had a lot of contacts in other countries, and the contacts would get me jobs in other countries. So now, um, the Italian agent was like, "Oh no, nah, yeah." This team needs a guy, and we think it's going to be a good opportunity for him to play. So the team was a team that didn't have a big budget in the Italian league, but they they always kind of fight to not not to get relegated. So they thought I was going to be able to go there and play, and I didn't know that. I thought I was just going to a team. So I get there now, and there's five inputs. I'm the fifth one. Right. All, it's all our first year. We're all first year players except for one guy. But the team's okay, you know. So I get there the first day. I get there, they they got a preseason game. I watch a preseason game. I think like, oh yeah, this is I can do this. <laughs> I can help. <laughs> I can make. I can make this happen. Get to practicing. I'm like, yeah, cool. When the point guy gets hurt, tears the ACL. Then I have my first preseason game. My first preseason game. I go up, have a really good game. I'm I'm really confident for the season. Then after that, the second point guard goes down, ACL. Now we have no point guard. Jesus Christ. Yo, the, yeah, your your team was cursed, man. Shit, boy. Yeah, man. <laughs> now we didn't have the budget to just get another player. Yeah. So we was in a situation where like the two the two men 
they put the two men at the point, and he wasn't really a point. You know, so we struggled through it. We won the first game with him playing the point, and um, no, we beat we, we knocked off one of the one of the top teams. There was a Euro, there was a Euro Cup team the year before, and we were supposed to get relegated. So first game of the season, we come out, we beat them at their place. Crazy. But then they needed a point guard, so someone had to be a scapegoat. So they end up end up getting rid of me to Damn. keep space for yeah, because I was in I was a new guy. Got rid of me to make space for a new point guard. And um, I remember the GM called me to the office, and you no, know, he was telling me about it. He was like, you know, I'm sorry, no, it's nothing personal, just something we gotta do, whatever. But there's a team that wants you right now, and then Italy, and again me. Lack of knowledge, lack of education, lack of knowing where I was going. I was like, "What?" I'm thinking it's the same. Like, it's in the same league. It's another team, but it was in the division below. It was in the second division. Oh wow! I only found out after I was I was there. So they was like, "No, nah, the plane's good. You have to take the train and the plane." And we sorted it all out, and you know, it took me forever to get there. But once I got there, again, it was kind of like a shock. I was like, "This ain't how I was living before. This ain't everything that was." I was like, something's up, something's different. And then when I found out, you know, but now it was too late, I was there. So I had to make the most of the situation. And, you know, it was a good situation. It was still a good level of basketball. Hmm. Is, there, um, is there a big, you know, gap between uh, the first and second division in Spain? No, it's Spain. Um, sorry, not Spain, in Italy. Italy? Yeah. Ah, it depends, man. Maybe um, the top teams in the... It's always a, the top teams in the second division can play in the first division, but like the difference yeah. would be like, it's like in Italy, for instance, like you can only have two import players, right, in, in the second division, but in the first division you can have five, right. And that, that makes a big difference. So in terms of like athleticism across the board, in terms of like you know, adding extra weapons to your to your team to your roster, you can you can do that with. Um, with the in the first division and on top of that budgets are a bit bigger so you'll get like, the best Italians or the best Spanish guys or whatever you know yeah so that makes a difference that's, that, that's what really makes a difference but the, the standard of play like the quality of play is very high like the Italian second division and the Spanish second division are very very good leagues yeah they're actually better than some of the first leagues are played in, in other countries yeah um, but yeah, that's a that's a good segue actually. Uh, speaking on you know the other countries you've played in, um, you know I've got you've played in Spain, Ukraine, Lebanon, um, Italy. Um, in terms of you know like the playing styles um, in each of these countries, uh, which one would you say was probably the most suited towards you know to your game and how you play, and which one did you you know enjoy the most? I guess individual um, success. I think I well I enjoyed Ukraine the most because they had me on the board the most. They had, uh, in Ukraine, um, in Ukraine they, they even they even put me the point at times. They just say like, just go be a point forward. Just has to, like, you know give me the ball. Let me let me be let me be Scotty Pippen basically. Yeah. So and for me like I'm not necessarily like a guy who just wants to score the whole time or just to score the whole time. Like I score, but it comes, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't like to force the game too much. Like I'm most I'm most comfortable with the ball in my hands doing stuff. Yeah. But I'm, but because of how my career has been and how the different places I've played, I'm also comfortable playing different roles. So mm. I've I've had I've had a, I had a great time in, in Lebanon. In Lebanon, they were like just go get. It. So I went to go <laughs> get. It. You know, in Greece, 
I went to Greece after Italy and they were like, my first time in Italy, it was kind of like, we need you to do everything. And then second time in Italy, it was like, we need you to do everything and go get it. So I did that. Yeah. That's how I got to Greece. And then in Greece, but when I went to Greece, they were like, <clears throat> we know you can do everything and we know you score, but we really, we need you to defend and space the floor and shoot it, shoot the ball. Right. So I did that. I did that. But I was, uh, because I was, because I could do other things, because I did my job well, I was able to do other things well too. So I'd get my eyes, so I'd get my, you know, when I got the ball, I'd just go make a play, go make stuff happen. So it made the team better that way too, you know. So I've always been very very comfortable in, in different roles. Now, when I'm in, when I've been to Spain, I've just been, Spain can change, man, because the Spanish game is very, um, I don't know, man, the Spanish game is very different. It's, it's kind of like a mix of all the different leagues. So, right. one game you might need to, one game you might need to go get it. Another game, you got to lock someone down. Um, another game, you got to, you know, they might be playing you a different certain type of way because the coaching is, you know, they're like, our team does not allow layups. So, you got to make all jumpers that game. You know, if you, if you make me win, if you don't, you're going to lose. So, like, every, every game's different. Or, like, you might have a, you have, might have a matchup where they need you in the post, you know. So it's hook shots all day. Yeah. Spain is kind of like a combination of all, of, of, of all. So it makes, which makes it difficult, but it's also rewarding when it works out. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I pride myself in being able to play different roles, be comfortable in different situations. So I've, I've actually had a great time Yeah. everywhere I've played. I've never been like, oh, I don't like this place or whatever. I always kind of make it work for myself. Yeah. So yeah, so fast forward, you end up, you know, signing at the the new franchise here in in the UK for the London City Royals. Um, yeah. So firstly, um, you know, how did that move come about for you know people who might not know? Well, um, it came at a time when um, I just won the championship in Spain, and I had a, I had a deal for the following year, but I was hurt, and they ended up cutting me, you know, um, unceremoniously even though they had promised me that everything would be fine, even if I was hurt, because I got hurt during the season. They were like, you can have surgery now, you can have surgery later, but if you have it, have it later, it will need to help us out, because we we, we, we're going to win it with you. So, you know, and they was like, don't worry about your deal, like everything's set for the next year. You know, so I just put, I put trust in them. It was just another time, again, learning about the game and everything, just putting trust in other people and doing stuff for other people rather than focusing on myself. So I was just at a time when I was like, you know what? I ain't, ain't jumping through these hoops for these people no more. I'm going to do what I want to do. And then, you know, luckily this situation came by and from how I've always conducted myself business-wise and as an individual, you know, the team came to me as one of the first people that they wouldn't involved and, you know, they wouldn't build it around me and, it just seemed like a good opportunity for me to, you know, do something for myself, um, have a chance to play at home and have a chance to start to, to do certain things that I can't do whilst I'm overseas, like get a mortgage, you know, start my company, start, you know, just kind of start putting pieces into play for life after basketball eventually. You know, yes. Quite often, a lot of guys don't think about that. So, with, with me being home and being in London, it would let me, and and part of my deal was that these people were going to help me put a lot of this stuff together. Right. 
yeah, so all these opportunities, it just seemed too good to be true. I mean, too good to turn down. So I guess it did become too good to be true. And then, yeah, you know, that's, that's another story for another day. Yeah. Um. So what were your, in terms of like, you know, I guess from a playing standpoint, what was your, you know, thoughts on playing in the BBL and your expectations of the league? Um, I mean, I, I, I'm a fan of the BBL. I've always been a fan of the BBL. You know, like every every year I come home, I go to the playoff final. You know, um, it's a big support of anyone really, anyone from the UK, any team from the UK, anyone doing good from the UK. You know, I became good friends with um, Peter Simmons at Leicester Riders. I got there, I see him a couple of times a year. Um, Joe Pynchon. Um, I'm very, I'm always been cool with PJ, who's at, at Plymouth now, but he was at Worcester before. Mm. You know, um, Fab. I've known Fab for years up at Newcastle. Obviously, I know Vince. You know, I had a good relationship with a lot of the BBL, and then guys who play in the BBL. You know, Justin just comes to BBL and. Um, obviously, I know Joe from going up. Um, all that was in the BBL at the time. It's my door. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, I've always known about the BBL, and the BBL was the first professional basketball I saw myself. So, I mean, I never, I, I never thought I'd be back in the BBL at the time when I went back to the BBL, but I never, I was never closed off to the BBL either. And I wasn't, I've never been adding enough oil, you know to think that the BBL wasn't a level where I could play or like I was too good for the BBL. It's just, you know, business-wise, you got to make certain type of decisions for yourself and yeah. there wasn't a time where I needed to make that decision. But when it came time for an opportunity that made sense, yeah, yeah. I was more than ha- I was more than happy to come home to the BBL. Like, you know, like, I feel like there's something else you learn as you get older. Like, you know, all these other leagues, that like, they build stuff like, especially nowadays, like, you know, like, everyone's trying to build their things, everyone's trying to build their companies, everyone's trying to build something for themselves, you know, get their little stake of the pie. Like, these other countries and these other countries, that's what that's what the players, that's what the federations are trying to build for themselves, a stake of the pie, like, you know, a seat at the table. In the UK, we don't have that because our league isn't necessarily going the right way, there's not money in the league. Right. So guys have, to, guys have to leave the UK to get a decent job or yeah. to get a decent get decent pay you know like, like the BBL should be one of the best leagues in Europe simply because it's an English speaking country and there's so many guys who speak English who are premier players in the different countries and if they had the opportunity to play in the UK they would but yeah. you, they can't they can't leave that money on the table since the basketball playing play is so short yeah. so like I said um, just that you know business wise it made sense for me to come home and it was a good opportunity for me to come home so I was over the moon man I was over the moon I wanted to come home and be part of you know be part of change be, be, be part of you know helping things go be part be part of the British basketball culture playing playing from the fans at home playing from the people at home and just help you know help the next guy who was coming yeah. from where I was coming from so I was very excited about it yeah and you know obviously when I heard about you know the London City Royals and who they were putting to get uh, who they were putting on the team like it you know, as a as a fan, first and foremost, it was exciting. You know what I mean. I hated yeah. the I hated the fact that you lot were in Crystal Palace, but you know, it was it was great for <laughs> London basketball. Where are, you, where are you from, Chuck? I'm from North, man. I live in Barnet, so I wanted oh, to I wanted to go to more games, but I think I only ended up going to one game um, because yeah. it's an hour and a half drive through Central London for me to get there. Um, That's pain. You better have taken a train. Yeah, probably. You know, I think I probably should have because it was an absolute nightmare getting there. And yeah, 
and like obviously I, I went to university in Newcastle and that was really yeah, where I got yeah. my first sort of experience of the BBL you know I used to go to Eagles games all the time because they were yeah. a walking distance from where I lived so like, yeah. I always loved doing it and you know I like Lions games are you know they're not they're not far but they're not particularly near either um, and obviously yeah. I knew a lot of the players on the Royals team so I, like I really wanted to, to, to go to more games it's just coming home from work then you know having my own games in Division 1 and then going to Crystal Palace it was just it was quite it's a lot. lot yeah it's a lot it's a lot yeah it's a lot yeah it's a lot it's also something that they, they don't do a good, good job of in, in the UK so like ACB and our league like, games are on different days you know yeah so I mean there's a lot of stuff that the BBO has to learn about running things the right way but yeah some of the stuff is because the money's not there they just can't take days that they can get yeah which means, like, games are clash with d1 games so like, yeah. i wanted to go to a lot more d1 games at the time when i was when i was home my girl she was playing the d1 also yeah she, and um so i couldn't go to her games and then i did enjoy the days where she's a team's valley so i enjoyed the days where i could go see her play and then we stay and see the men play also you know like, yeah I'm a fan. I'm a fan of basketball. I want to see my guys play. You know, like yeah. some of my guys play for Essex. Some of my guys play for Hemel. Who else? Who else? Loughborough. Like, I want to see these teams play. Yeah. But, um. Obviously, couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> no. Nah, you're right, man. And I guess the biggest issue, you know, with the BBL is, you know, for clubs don't the teams don't own their facilities, so it's hard to exactly. you know coordinate that. Um, whereby the you know the games don't clash. Um, like you know my se- first season at um. In Division One, obviously, I was at Northumbria, and like we were fortunate yeah. that you know we had the partnership with the Eagles. So, you know, yeah. the Eagles all their games were on Friday nights. You know, like any home game yeah. was on a Friday, unless it was like a, you know bank holiday or something. And you know, our yeah. games were traditionally on Saturday evenings or Sundays. So there was yeah. a lot of us going to their games, them coming to our games, and we were able yeah, to sort nice. of support each other like that. But yeah, that's nice. That that, that builds that builds a fan base. That builds yeah. that, you know familiar, familiarity and. Yeah, it's all, it's all part of it. I mean, Newcastle honestly is one of the one of the teams that have done it the right way and they've really built yeah. it from the ground up. Yeah, a lot yeah, of teams yeah. try to go for a quick money grab, for a quick money grab, you know. So which yeah. is unfortunate. Yeah, and and if I'm honest, like um, I feel like that's what the Royals did. You know, I said as much as I want, you know, I wanted the Royals to succeed when when I heard about it, and then when I was sort of following what they were doing during the year, I kind of thought. I don't know if this is sustainable, you know. I think you lot went mm. to Serbia in pre-season, you know, you were yeah. doing this, that and the third. And it's like, that's a lot of money being spent on considering you don't have, you know, an established fan base, essentially, in, in your first year. You know, it was kind of... Listen, bro, listen, listen. I can't say too much about it, but what I will <laughs> say is, like, for our side, man, like, everything was laid out. It was Everything was laid out, everything was planned. Everything we did, like, everything was planned. It was planned. Budgets were shown, money was shown, like everything was there, like everything was there. So now the way it was managed after that, and um, whatever, I don't know. Yeah. But it was everything was in place for three years. That's why I signed for three years. Like I sat yeah. down. I mean, for me, for me to even make that change, for me to come from Europe and come to the BBR, like it's not. I wanted to do it, but it's not a small thing. Do you know what I mean? So I think yeah. we had like we had at least. 10 meetings man it's, the negotiation took a good two months yeah it took ages man so so you win the you know you win the BBL trophy in your first season you get MVP yeah. uh, in a really really good final that I remember watching and then you know end of the season you play Leicester um, lose to them at the 0-2 uh, in yeah. the playoff final 
looking back, do you feel that the team, you know, underachieved or met the expectations that you had going in? Um, what was essentially, you know, your review of the season at the end? Um, quite honestly, I feel like I feel like the, I feel like the team underachieved simply because, um, you know, we lost a lot more games than we should have lost. Mm. You know, we could have quite, we, not quite easily. That's definitely the wrong word, but we had the opportunity to compete with the Lions at the top of the table, even win the league if we had played how we were supposed to play the whole season. But we were dealing with a lot of things, man. We were dealing with a lot of things came with that first year. A lot of things, you know, became apparent as you said throughout the year that was, you know, making life difficult. Like we were dealing, we were dealing with a lot more than just being basketball players, you know, in terms of preparation, you know, and um, other things going into the games. So, I mean, many times people didn't know about what was going on and to this day people don't know what was going on, but we had to just deal with that as players. Yeah. So we kind of overcame a lot. But even so, you know, many times we were in games, some games we lost due to um, free throws, some games we lost due to um, bad defending, some games we lost to, uh, I think, Newcastle beat us and a buzzer beat us, you know, because we, you know, we made a mistake at the end of one of the games. Like, all these small things, like, kept us from, like, with everything that was going on that year, we always had a chance to be in the games. Like the only game that was really just out of our hands was Leicester at the O2 at the end. And they just kind of, they were just better prepared than we were at the end of the day. Like, even like, that was probably the, the worst preparation, the worst week of preparation that we had the whole season with everything else going on too. Just even like how we had to get to the game and everything else. Like, it was such a struggle that was, that was had by the players simply because of what was going down down with management at the top yeah and you can't do those type of things when you're going up against you know a well-oiled machine yeah and they showed the, they just showed their experience and um you know uh, and their, their their championship pedigree and did, did what they were supposed to do and um so yeah i definitely feel that like we underachieved i think we got knocked out of the cup in the first round we we got, got knocked out of the cup we lost the league we came well we came fifth in the league and then we lost in the player final you know, so but we did make it to two finals. We won one of them. Yep. You know, so there was a, there was a lot of good things that happened that year, man. A lot of good things that happened that year. But in terms of overall, like going into the season and thinking that, and what we and looking back at the season and things we could have done, what we did do, you know, definitely, definitely could have done more. Yeah. <laughs> in my own personal opinion. Yeah. No, I think I think that's fair. You know. um the thing is, I think in basketball, like, and sometimes, you know, I'm guilty of it when I put my, you know, my fan hat on, um, mm. so to say. But it's like, you know, you see a team on paper and you think they're going to win everything. Do you know what I'm saying? But basketball, yeah. especially at this sort of level, is it's not one on paper. You know what I mean? It's like you no. might have all the talent on one team, but the other team might not be as talented, but they might have played together or they might have had the same core for the last how many years and... You know, chemistry yeah. some plays a big part in in the success of a lot of teams. There's a lot of factors that go into winning, and it's, honestly, like, like even before I signed, one of the main things I said was like, you don't win with the players. Like, I mean, you win with the players, but it starts from the top, man. Quite honestly, it yeah. starts from the top, and it, it trickles down. And mm. if things aren't if things aren't done the right way at the top, it's not going to be the right way at the bottom. It's just like it's like any other business. It's yeah. like any other business. You know, things have to be the right way at the top if you want it to be the right way at the bottom. It doesn't matter how good. The pieces are at the bottom, you know. Don't it, it, don't matter what product you have out there. If you're not marketing it the right way, branding it the right way, putting out there, putting out there the right way, it's not gonna sell. Yeah, no, 
too right, man. Too right. So yeah, so this season, obviously, you know, we spoke about your time in um in uh, the second division. Um, in terms of you know like playing standards, how would you compare you know the the BBL to you know the second division in Spain? It's pretty far behind. Um, um, yeah, it's pretty far behind. There's guys who can play here from yeah. the BBL, but overall, it's the standard, you know. From the from the from the presentation, the organization, the the referees, the um, you know the arenas, the overall coaching, the IQs of the game, you know, it's just it's different, you know. That's what it's, it's definitely different. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a higher standard here for sure. You know, I'm always intrigued. You know, like cause obviously I haven't had the 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 opportunity or the to play in other countries. You know, so I'm always you know I guess curious as to you know how far behind or how close you know the bbl is as a you know compared to other countries you know i've heard you know some some people say who've played in spain say you know it's i don't know i guess equivalent to like the top half of the third division or so so i was just interested half, equivalent to the top half of the third division or what would you mean in in terms of like you know the or the b or the bbl, the BBL. The third division in spain? yeah 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 probably that, yeah that probably that's probably that probably be close I, well, I've never played in the third division in Spain, but oh, right. you know, if I think about some of the teams that have struggled in the past in the second division, then yeah, possibly. But right. also, I mean, the year I won the league in the second division, um, the last game of the season, we played a team that was about to get relegated, and they had to win to stay up, and they'd be us by thirty. You know, Damn. it was bad that day. Yeah, <laughs> it, it could be. Thing about thing about Spain is like it's a long season, and. Um, this happens all the time with professional teams like so the NBA for instance the NBA every team is talented it's yep. just if you get into like a losing habit and things aren't going right and whatever and you know things just aren't going well like, losing losing is a habit the same way winning is a habit and that can happen so some, some of these teams that struggle uh, they can be if they struggle one year they can be amazing the next year or you know that's why it's tough to say like oh Maybe one of the worst second division teams that like, would be like BBL team or whatever, but yeah. But at the same time, like, don't get me wrong, like the BBL has a guy, a lot of guys who can play at this level and do well. Yeah. The main thing is just knowing how to play basketball. Like, can you fit in with what the coaches want? Can you play the system? Can you do this? Like, that's the biggest thing. Like, if you can play, if you can, if you can go into a situation and know and look like you belong there, then that's the biggest. That's the biggest hurdle, really. Right, right. So yeah, so let's move away from you know your uh, your playing onto you know your recent venture, um, AGP Sports. Um, yeah. Talk to me about that. Um, what's what's that, and uh, why did or how did it come about? Well, um, like I said, um, me coming home with um, the Royals was supposed to unveil it around that time, but obviously things started going down the drain, so I had to kind of hold back on that. But um, it's stuff that I've been doing for a long time in terms of like some of my other projects. Like AGP Sports is basically the name of the umbrella company that houses all my projects. And right. um, under, underneath the umbrella, like I have my foundation, which is stuff I do in Africa in terms of growing the game and giving opportunities to kids through sports. And then um, it, mainly in Sierra Leone right now where I'm from. And then um, I have the Skills Academy which is my basketball teaching, coaching branch of it. And um, I have a few other things I do in terms of media and um, and the podcast, which is on the way down the road, you know, like 
which is all part of the media aspect of it. But now right. since I've been, since I've unveiled this and, you know, one of the things that, one of the big things I do, you know, I try to educate players on um, the business side of basketball and the business side of, you know, themselves, um, representing themselves as a business and, you know, making money outside of basketball, not going through that time period, you know, in the summertime where you're not making any money now. You just take any job in September, you're desperate for a job because team, teams look out for that. Teams know that guys are desperate, so yeah. they're going to offer you a bad contract or they're going to offer you, you know, whatever because, it's, again, it's a business, so they're trying to get the most they can for the, yeah. best, for the least they can. Yeah, so, you know, when you're in a position where you're not desperate, you make better decisions for yourself, you make better deals, you make better, you, you negotiate better. So, yeah, I, I, try, I, I try to educate players and entrepreneurial side of things and that's led me into you know uh, an, uh, another business in design and um, teaching people how to go on Instagram and you know things things of that nature yeah so like the branding side and stuff yeah yeah um, no I think that's I think that's very much needed you know I, um, I had um, I don't know if you know but I had Temi Fagbenle on um, episode three and we spoke a bit about you know like players like personal brands and you know branding themselves as you know not just being a basketball player being a like you said being a business on her you know her standpoint you know she obviously she did a campaign with sports direct um which you know somebody put her forward for and we spoke essentially about you know how athletes can you know use that sort of those sort of collaborations to sort of grow their you know their audience for themselves yeah and you know like you said it's important you know you play what nine months out of the year you know, obviously in the summers you're training and whatnot, but, you know, as a professional athlete, you've got to be looking at, you know, other ways to bring in money, you know, yeah, by selling yeah, the fact yeah, that you yeah. are a, a basketball player from London, which is, which is a selling point at, at itself. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. And, exactly, I, and I think exactly. things like what you're doing is, is exactly what the game needs, you know, to grow, essentially grow its personality. Do you see what I'm yeah. saying? So, um, and thank you. I mean, I mean, it's it's always. I mean, since I've started doing this, and since I've been more public about what I do, yeah, it's been um, the feedback's been tremendous. It's been very good, you know, which is which is nice because at times it can be difficult. I just think to myself that oh, it's a lot of work, right? Like, why am I doing this? You know, like are people even taking note? Yeah. So every every time you get those type of affirmations, you know, it definitely helps. Temi's been a big supporter. Yeah. Like, I mean, like I have a store on my company, on my website, you know, I haven't even been promoting like the clothes or nothing because it's, like, it's not really the time where I wouldn't, I wouldn't be selling, selling to people if that makes sense. You know? Yeah. But simply because of um, putting out awareness and giving out value and information to people and helping people, mm. you know, we've made sales in our store, you know, we've got um, donations to the foundation and these are things because I've put these things in place and put them in the world and because I go about my business in a certain type of way, people have donated to my cause, you know, yeah. donated to things that I do. They've given me money for my services, my products. You know, like people people hit me up and ask me to do graphic design work for them or to do this for them and help them with this or that. And yeah. So these are all, I mean, these are all things that as players we can do in our spare time. You know, like yeah, yeah. we have hours in the day that we can do this. So my, I feel like, it's imperative to me the same way I might teach someone like, you know, about their game or about, you know, what to look at, to look out for with agents or whatever. Like it's all part of the education of, you know, building yourself up. Tending to me is someone who's done it well for herself, yeah. you know, 
hundred percent. And that's on the, that's on the woman's side. So and even more so on the women's side that they don't they don't necessarily necessarily always have the same opportunities that we have as guys. So yeah. You know, but there is a big time selling point in being um, a professional basketball player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm being a British one for sure. For sure, British one, yeah, yeah, yeah. In London, in, in London, London, all these all, all these brands and companies, but you have to learn how to make yourself valuable to these companies, yeah. to these brands, and you know, build these connections and you know, build something for yourself. But you can't, you can only make yourself valuable to them if you have something yourself. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Hundred, I couldn't say it better myself, man. Thank you for, you know, coming on and, and doing the podcast. I think, you know, you've had a great career, you know, to date. Thank and obviously you, I wish you the best um, and anything in the future. I'm going to put your, you know, your social medias and stuff in the description. So, you know, people that listen yeah. that might not follow you uh, can follow you and, and keep tabs in your career. But yeah, man, stay safe. And yeah, I wish you all the best, Ashley. Okay, thank you for having me. Um, I love what you're doing, and um, yeah, man, keep me up, keep me, keep me updated, man. Stay in touch. Ah, uh, we'll do, man.